Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Yeah, doing well, doing well. Had a weird moment there, just a kind of slightly out-of-body experience where I thought I'd... I totally messed up what I said there, despite doing it on autopilot. <laughs> you know when you, you do something so often, and then you think about it, and you're like, did I do that? And you don't quite remember doing it. That's exactly I what often have happened. the thought at the end of doing the intro of have I actually said who I am. Not that I need to, because <laughs> everyone knows. But then I think, is it me, Frank? I don't know if it is. Yeah. I've not said what we are talking about this episode, though. We're doing our Think on Your Feet wrap-up finale the last it's not even an interlude is it it's the epilogue so we thought we'd um go for completion and finish that off and actually share that with listeners as well rather than just cutting off after the previous episode so if you've not yet heard think on your feet episode 28 in which mark harrigan takes on where the gods dwell and agnes baker takes on weaver of the cosmos then listen to that first but then if you have you can listen to us just kind of wrap up the campaigns But before we do, we have a small announcement to make. Yes, we do indeed. Schlurp of coffee. (laughs) That's right. The schlurp of coffee we were all waiting for. Spin that spider. Spin Um, that spider. We are taking part, I'm going to dive in and say this, we're taking part in a charity event, not this Saturday, but uh, this is the mistake I always make. I talk about it as though I know when the episode is coming out, but we don't know when it's coming out. We are taking part in a charity event on Saturday, the 27th of February, which may be in two Saturdays time or one Saturdays time, depending on when this episode goes out. It's called Horrors Without Borders. It's an all day charity stream organized by Great Old Ones Gaming. And the plan is that through that day, there'll be different content creators on the stream, doing different things. There's all sorts of things planned. Some of it is just chatting, others is talking about games, others is playing games, and it's a chance for people to just join in, watch, be part of the Arkham community, and we'll be taking part. Uh, Our time slot is 3 till 5 p.m. British time, which will be 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. Central time in the States on Saturday, the 27th of February. Do we need to say any more about that? No, no, just tune in. Uh, there's going to be so much so much cool stuff. Where can people find out more info, I guess? I guess they can look up Horrors Without Borders, and I can also put a link to the information in the show notes. Bro, well, I think you should do that, Frank. Thanks, Peter, yeah. The other thing I'd add, which I think is really cool, is that the way donations are going to work is that every time someone does a donation, it kind of um, unlocks more of the prize pool. And there are things raffled out, I think, throughout the day or maybe at the end of the day based on the group donations. So giving donations is obviously a good thing anyway. Um, The charity they're supporting is Doctors Without Borders, which is a very worthwhile charity. But putting a donation also essentially gives you, I think, a raffle ticket with a chance to win prizes as well. And it looks like people who make custom content and make, not custom content, make custom tokens and things like that have been really generous with donating to that. So yeah, if you have any free time on Saturday, the 27th of February, come check us out streaming or the other people. And yeah, be good to see people in the chat, of course. And it will be Great Old Ones Gaming's Twitch channel that are hosting it all. We'll put links on our Discord and, and in the show notes to this as well. Cool. 
yeah, that's 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 going to be really good fun. I can't wait. Yeah, uh, we've got a two-hour slot, so we've got you know plenty of time to chill, chew the fat, chat Arkham. I'm sure we can think of something to say about this game. Don't know about that. <laughs> Shall we move on to wrapping up our Think On Your Feet joint campaign? Let's, yeah. And, and where do you want to start? Do you want to start with looking back at the scenario or the epilogue or decks or what? I honestly don't mind. Epilogue? Should we do epilogue? Just get epilogue the, the first. Yeah, story, get the reading yeah. out of the way. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Shall I tell you which ending I got? Mm-hmm. And then you can tell me which ending you got. And then we can cross-reference those. And I'll read out the epilogue. Yeah. I ended up with The Investigators Are Still in the Dreamlands. And I got The Dreamers Stayed in the Dreamlands Forever. Wow, that's uh, that's ominous. So that's mm. epilogue 12. So we will scroll down and have a look. Ah, so you have found one of the at least. Even in a land as vast as the Dreamlands, I suppose it was inevitable you would bump into each other. Are you going to head back to your own world? No, I suppose not. Why would you? Everything you could ever want is here. I can't blame you. Together you can travel from the pillars of the west to the pillars of the east and see every wonder the world of dreams has to offer. Just remember, it's all fiction, right? The two groups were reunited in the Dreamlands, and the investigators win the campaign. Nice. A win. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And and is that the best ending we can get? Aside from us both returning Mm. to reality, I think. Yeah, there are quite a lot of, you know, we both survived but are forever separated. Yes. And I think there's... Only one way that we can be reunited in the waking world. Yeah, yeah. We got that win. I mean, the big W at the end is what I was hoping we'd get, and we've we've managed it. So, absolutely. So, we, we, the other ending, I guess, the other happy ending would be us all reuniting in the waking world. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think you have to awake, and I have to find the. I have to return to reality, which involves me finding the stone. Lifting yeah. the stone out the path, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, h- how do you awake? What's the what's the ending for that? I am just given a straight choice at the end of where the gods dwell. I just have to pick: do I wake or do I stay dreaming? Right. Of course, you do. Yes. Yeah. So, the choices are: wake up or remain on the surface of the dreamlands. So, I knew that you didn't have a way out of the dreamlands. Yeah. yeah. So, I decided to stay. And the other thing that I couldn't do is I couldn't travel beneath the monastery. And that is, I can only do that if I know of another path. And I think I only know of another path if you've told me about it from from point of no return. So that's the other kind of weird one where, yeah, there's options I can see available. But but because it's a little bit like um, in a Choose Your Own Adventure book, it says, if you have acrobatics, do this. It says, if you, if you know of another path, you can choose to go to the underworld. But I can't do that because I didn't know of another path. We did it. That's a win. I yeah, mean, I'll I think take it. Yeah, I think it's absolutely. good. Yeah. And we end up in a, in a magical realm of dreams for the, the rest of all time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I snuck into my story that, of course, Mark was looking for Sophie. So that whole... Uh, sort of subplot of if he's not going to find her in the waking world, why not live a life of happiness in the dreaming world? It's a bit weirder, isn't it, I think, for the waking side investigators who end up dreaming 
without planning to <laughs> you know you came after me to help me and at some point you crossed over from waking to dreaming without realizing well you yeah. sort of brought your body with you haven't you yeah well exactly yeah so so we're bodily in the dreamland and, and you, you've just been transported here mm. spiritually i don't know yeah yeah uh mentally because you've still got a body whereas i'm i'm here stuck but i guess yeah ultimately that i don't know yeah cool <laughs> ultimately question mark ultimately question mark exactly yeah yeah so how was your final scenario it was it was good i mean people will have heard me um struggling through it i I think it went it went pretty well i think actually that scenario i think you definitely got the short straw here that scenario is not too bad i don't think for a finale Mm -hmm. i think it's very cool i like it i like the mechanics a lot but especially when I, I said this a few times as we played it, I've only been through the Dreamlands once previously, mm. and this is like the sec- my second time through it. And even that little bit of knowledge of how things are going to work has re- well, really helped me smash it. Mm-hmm. If you were prepared for some of the bad things that were going to happen, and I think especially this scenario, if you're able to either you're able to really tailor how you take on the enemies, like you can just spend clues mm. to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, you will get the enemies coming out of the encounter deck, obviously. And at like Nature itself, the kind of the, the, the smaller bit of it, uh, you will get attacks opportunity if you try mm-hmm. and zap it mm-hmm. with, with clues. But, you know, it's only got... Has it got four health? Yeah. So it's only a single damage you need to do to it after spending, if you spend a clue. Yeah, and the attack of opportunity for Agnes makes a clue of four damage hit. Well, well yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't hurt Agnes. I think it's a nice scenario where if you put in enough clue tech and clue acquisition for solo, the only reason you'd collect clues is to kill the limbs. So it means you can save your combat options for the enemies out of the encounter deck if you want to. Or if you don't get your clue stuff, you can use your combat stuff for the legs anyway. Because you did a combination, didn't you? You you killed at least one, I think, with the spectral razor. Is that right? No, no, I don't think I did. No, you did clues on all of them. I think I used clues on all of them because I think I had... I had one clue from the path down, and then I picked picked up four clues. Yeah. Oh, yes, yeah. There was a moment when you were pausing and going, hang on, have I got enough clues here? Yeah. So, yeah, I could just blast all the legs apart. The other thing I'd add, which probably links back to you not finding that other way out of the dreamlands, is you, in point of no return, decided to prioritise getting to the end of the scenario rather than going and lifting up the difficulty five stone yeah and i think that really gave you an easy ride then in weaver of the cosmos because the doom that you place you you only had two tally marks didn't you on steps of the bridge so you didn't place any two doom at the start and the doom you place at the start is on that bottommost location which means it always has it have it in play yeah so you're essentially taxing yourself for all three agendas by the doom you place and what that means then is that skulls were fairly reasonable as a value for you yeah for the whole game yeah and yeah. and i was thinking actually you know you made a joke to me after dark side of the moon like why do i always go four up and for my finale scenario i had two tablets at minus four and a minus four and then the skulls go very quickly to minus four so i had six minus fours in the bag and you <laughs> had one minus four <laughs> and i was like wow our bag compositions are really different like you throughout were testing at more or less at three up and that was fine because there was two tokens that would fail you 
And I think if I had tested it three up for most of my way through uh, where the gods dwell, I would have been in real trouble. Yeah, interesting how different the bag composition there is and, and what an impact that can then have. Uh, yes, yeah, so, so that's how I felt the scenario went. How about you? How did you feel your scenario went? Yeah, again, people will have heard. It was a it was a little bit like um, an inverse bell curve. Is that the right description? It started off well, went saggy in the middle, <laughs> and then finished well. It's such a time-sensitive scenario that particularly sort of for the second agenda, the second and third agenda both have five doom. For the the second agenda, for those turns, I felt like I was really treading water and listening back as I prepared it. I realized I was also just basically just managing not throwing away too many cards. Like I, I felt like I spent an awful lot of time managing the hidden cards in my hand and trying not to overdraw and trying to use my cards efficiently which I think is one of the ways that the scenario taxes you, that it just it empties your hand of useful tricks because you get so many hidden cards in your hand. Yeah, yeah. But I'm quite pleased with how I managed that overall, just because, yeah, I, I think I didn't, I didn't end up discarding overly and I got to my second on the hunt, which was important at the right time for it. So, yeah. Then the other thing I'd add is I think I got seriously lucky with the two Nile Athoteps I got. Yes. I got the four health one and the three health one. I think if I'd got, there's a five health, a six health and a seven health. So if I'd got any of the other healthers, I don't know if I would have had enough actions and damage to finish them off. Yeah. Um, so that was really fluky there, given that I had one action spare. Anyone listening being like, well, you got lucky. I, I completely agree. I did. <laughs> I needed some luck to go my way. And it did. In testing the scenario, I've also had a try where both on the hunts I had in hand when I got to the tower and they both hit straight away and I afterwards I was like that must have been a fluke and that's when I counted the encounter deck and things like that and yeah. I'm pretty sure it was a fluke so I think I think my strategy was sound and it, I've had some nice feedback from people saying they liked the strategy side of it so yeah good overall I feel good <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's an interesting one I, I remember as I've just said but my experience with the campaign is is pretty limited but i remember the first time i went through this scenario i was playing patrice and and that element of taxing your hand size like really stuck with me i spent most of that scenario totally useless because i just had like Mm -hmm. hidden cards and nyalathoteps in my hand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. clogging the whole show up i I must confess as well i've never played it where i've used that action in the middle to share hidden cards with people just because I've played it in multiplayer very few times. And normally the way I end up playing multiplayer is everyone can kind of fend for themselves. So mm. people collect hidden cards and go and do it themselves. I imagine as Patrice, you're just sitting there desperate to palm off hidden cards to other players. Yeah, while... no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, and we did. I remember we did do that when we okay, played. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was pretty vital, I think. Yeah, in solo. I mean, I don't know how you meant to beat it as Patrice. It's just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, brutal. Uh, absolutely brutal, yeah. The other thing I really noticed is that there's no way of getting rid of the Whispering Chaos cards, the ones that trigger the tower actions once they're in your hand. And that can be that, you know, they have an added tax then of basically saying you've got minus one hand size for the rest of the game. The only way you can clear them is by doing the actions on the towers. Right, okay, yeah, that hadn't twigged with me, but yeah, that, that, yeah. that's a point. So so you can clear the other hidden cards, but those ones just start filling your hand. And if you don't see any Nihilathotaps, 
you're, you're basically stuck with minus one, two, three hand size, however long. Um, so when I finished off, I think I still had two Whispering Chaos in my hand that just, you know, they're dead cards, they're not doing anything. I wonder if there's a tweak to be made for that, for allowing you like as a free trigger to shuffle them back into the deck or some something like that that would allow a bit more hand management. But maybe that's the way that they want to punish you on that scenario, I don't know. And what about our decks? I mean, <laughs> I feel like you gave a Mind's Eye masterclass there, although... Funnily enough, Mind's Eye wasn't the MVP for your finale, was it? No, not really. It, it, you know what? It did show up at a pretty good moment, and I was because I knew I was, I was in the end game. Uh, I mm. could be pretty liberal with the charges on it, which, yeah. which helped yeah. in those last few turns. Mm-hmm. But no, it, it throughout it was pretty good. I think that the fundamental message is that you know, well, uh, Agnes has got five willpower, mm-hmm. so it already gives you you've already got a resistance to some of the mythos effects that are based off willpower. I think yeah. those some of those early scenarios, actually there seems to be quite a lot of willpower tests in there mm-hmm. uh, already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and when you can use Mind's Eye to translate anything that's not a willpower test directly to your willpower, then you're just massively efficient. Um, mm-hmm. Your problem becomes not which of the other tests do I pass and put resources into. It's just, can I get Mind's Eye out and set up yeah, yeah, and then everything else falls into place. So I think it's really good. It, it the, the fact it's double arcane slots really drives your deck down a certain avenue. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see other folks do build different styles of deck using it, and maybe it's interested in seeing what the deck looks like in another investigator. Mm-hmm. I know we've talked about how Luke is maybe a good home for the the event spell suite. Yes, yeah. So he's got some some other kind of recursion cards and things like that. He can use he can use DVM. Mm-hmm. He can use DVM, uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, and some other cards as well, which 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 all work quite well together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I, I think it I think it kind of proved its worth here. She she almost has the ideal stat line for it, does Agnes? Doesn't she? Yes. In that, you know, even say we put it in Gloria, who's what five four two one. You you don't need it for intellect then. Because you've got an intellect that's worth leaning into. Same with Marie with her four four one three. The fact that Agnes has has both of her um, progressive stats at two means that Mind's Eye can just do so much work for you. Yeah, um, yeah. You need it to fight. You need it to clue. Yeah, it does feel like almost the ideal. And and it's funny that you mentioned Luke because sometimes I think well you can actually investigate reasonably well with Luke's intellect of three. So do you really want to just use Mind's Eye? to switch to four it's it's weird isn't it how you kind of want to get enough of a boost out of it or... yeah no absolutely I, and yeah I, I think the other thing is that mind's eye being myriad helps mm. make up for the main weakness which is that you need to find it yeah that's a really good point yeah i, I don't think i really had any like that last scenario it didn't and actually in the last scenario, i did get a mind's eye in my opening hand didn't i i just didn't play you it did yeah for, yeah for most of the scenario i didn't get screwed at all i think i think a couple of times actually do it in my opening hand mm, mm. but i think it's it's worth a quite a hard mulligan to try and find it as best you can mm-hmm, mm. and it's one of those cards that will do everything for you so yeah. it's not like you have to sacrifice oh well i need to mulligan these clue cards because i really need my combat solution it's an all-in-one solution so it's okay to just go for it and mulligan yeah so so, so on the whole I was, I was pretty i was pretty happy with how things went i think if you were unlucky, 
in that kind of deck, you could end up pretty screwed. Mm. I think mm. Mark has got a good deal of resilience built in with his, uh, with him and Sophie, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So so he's always got some card drawn. He's always got the ability to to conjure an unexpected courage out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and, and then you just you, you translate his problems to to one of keeping yourself healed. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just keep keep the health topped up, and and you don't go far wrong. Yeah. And he has a, a a signature weakness that if you can do that and look after your health, home front is also trivialized. You know, you can you're going to see it because he draws so much, but you can control how much damage it does. Um, I just want to touch before we go on to Mark as well about heirloom. Diana read the signs, shining trapezohedron. Yeah, like that. That is the the combo in, going right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Repeatedly playing a, a single spell for free that draws you a card and gets you two clues at a pop. It was amazing. It's, it's lovely when it's in action. It's just, it's it's the heirloom. I just feel the heirloom's that little bit expensive. Yeah. Remind me what the alternate, the parallel heirloom does. It doesn't. It also have damage and horror on it that you can only soak from your own effects only damage and or horror from player card effects can be assigned to heirloom of hyperborea and it's got three health and three sanity mm-hmm. and it still has after you play a spell draw one card yeah 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 that that seems a lot better so like your blood eclipses your ward of protections and then you know shriveling forbidden knowledge yeah forbidden knowledge all of those kind of things you can, you can put on it to your Painkillers. <laughs> yeah, your painkillers, exactly. And, of course, it combos with Parallel Agnes because she can take damage to reduce the cost of spells. So she can that she's a player card effect, so she has like an extra built-in bit of soak to do yeah. that even more. I, I think I did mention this. I think, ultimately, mm. I would have preferred to have gone through this with Parallel Agnes. <laughs> yeah, Parallel Agnes wasn't out when we planned, but... She was not, no. I think you can almost... Well... I don't know. The damage is nice, especially if you're dealing with like aloof enemies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on your campaign, Ugh, who knows? I'd love to. I haven't tried um, Parallel Agnes yet, but I would love to because mm-hmm. I think she's right up my street. I already had an Agnes campaign on the go when she came out. Yeah, so yeah. To finish exactly. that before I could justify picking her up again. <laughs> I mean, the nice thing was that we were both busy thinking about Agnes and what an Agnes deck looks like, and exploring what MJ had suggested to us about the sort of a way of making the heirloom work is running lots of spell events because you want to be playing them in the way that if you just play two spell assets and don't play anymore, you're not going to get value out of the heirloom. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, I think it was a really fun deck and I think a really good illustration of a solo mystic that's not desperately trying to see six cents, shriveling, panicking if it doesn't see them. So yeah, it was good. And you mentioned my mark. I guess we'll move on to it. Yeah, I yes. think I think it did everything I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? Can, can, before you start, can you remind me what you added for this last scenario? Yes. So I had eleven XP to spend. Yeah. I already had one upgraded enchanted blade, so I put three XP into the other enchanted blade, and then I decided to upgrade both of my vicious blows. Yeah. So they do two damage, two extra damage instead of one, and. I added in two counter punches level two. So that's play when an enemy attacks you before resolving the attack, you get plus two combat and do plus one damage, hitting them back. And I took out an evidence and the emergency aid for the counter punches. Right, okay, okay. 
And of course, the counterpunch tactic, right? Spirit and tactic. So it can go on sticky toffee pudding if you it want. It can, but on sticky toffee pudding was uh, a cash, ever vigilant, and ever vigilant, and one of the on the hunts. So yes. I knew I had one. But yes, it can do, yeah. So notably, what's good about it is it's more damage that's not in the investigation phase. Yeah. So if I'm really struggling, if I had that seven health Nihilathotep, I was thinking, ah, I can potentially use Counterpunch to finish it off in, in the enemy phase. And it because it attacks them before you resolve the attack, you can then, if you kill the enemy, you don't get hit, which is nice. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing, which I think I, I did do that in the scenario, is you can also just use it for tempo, where you play a weapon, take a hit from an enemy, but kill the enemy with the counterpunch, and you've spent a single action rather than taking an attack of opportunity and then having to fight with the weapon or you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, you can just use it to to munch enemies. I was like really pleased with how it turned out in the end. It yeah, just felt yeah. really useful and... Yeah, you can do things like end a, end a turn with an enemy, engage with you, and, and things like that. It's got nice icons as well, double combat and agility. Overall, I felt like that was a pretty conservative choice with the XP, but I think it did what I wanted it to do, which was just give me the damage output. And we saw that right at the end of the scenario, where I had a seven health enemy to kill in three actions. Yeah. And I practice makes perfect into a vicious blow, and it was like, okay, well, I can do eight damage in two actions now because I managed to loot my deck. So I had enough damage basically in the deck, which was good. The other thing about that scenario was I had a pretty poor opening hand as I remember it. This was just like a really nice illustration that Mark can, Mark has the solution to a bad opening hand. He can draw out of it, which I suppose is the same as what Seekers have been doing since the beginning of the game. You just power draw through, but he can draw out of a problem by getting on with things so you can take an investigate action and draw a card for it or he can you know punch an enemy and draw a card for it so he just uses making progress in the scenario as a way of getting out of a hole which obviously a lot of other investigators can't do because they have to do one or the other so that's i think that's really good about i really enjoy playing mark he's just fun he's powerful yeah 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 he's he just seems like he's I was always I was kind of dubious when you suggested to play him solo mm-hmm. because someone with such a high combat stat always feels like they're going to be they're going to be able to fight enemies but not progress the act in the same way. Yeah. What I was what I was thinking was I, I can't see what your equivalent of mind's eye is in my deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of course I, Mark is the perfect example of someone who's like he does have that. He's got that built in almost, right? Mm, so yeah, the sort of the Sophie effect, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, you can't rely on, on her for everything, mm-hmm. but uh, but she's you know she she gives you that that boost when you really need her. It's funny because he looks fairly one dimensional. Yes, he's got it, five combat. That's what I was trying to say. Health. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and yet he actually is very versatile, which is to me the opposite of one one dimensional. He. He can kind of do anything. But I think, of course, when you play in multiplayer, why would you put in like a load of clue tech and things like that? You just put in a bunch of weapons, a bunch of damage and a bunch of healing. You're good to go. And I'd be inclined to play that way if I was playing uh, in multiplayer as Mark. But I think he can do a lot more is the nice thing. I don't know whether you know this, Frank, but Versatile is actually an Arkham card. 
It is, yeah, I know. I'm just put looking it, at its name because it, I took it, it in deck. this mark deck. So I've now done two Think on Your Feats in a row where I've run Versatile. So maybe we need to either give it a break or maybe I'm coming around to it. Yeah, you, you were quite dubious about Versatile to begin with, weren't you? I was, yeah, yeah. And I found two decks where it seems to have worked pretty well. Yeah, well, with the Astounding Revelation, it it's, it cancels out your weakness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and which I, is, I then use it to add, what, two... Unexpected Courage and two... I don't know what else I added at that point. But, I mean, if anyone can, can yeah. cope with a thicker deck, I think it's Mark. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I added the Perception at that point as well, yeah. But, yeah, he absolutely can. And I loop my deck in all four scenarios, so he he has no issues with... That's with no cards that draw me cards, apart from Soothing Melody and uh, and his innate ability. So he's a powerhouse, real powerhouse. I think I'd say if you haven't tried, if you're a solo player listening to this and you haven't played Mark Solo, he's really fun. It's a real, it's a, like a nice mini game. It's like Tony with his bounties. It's how do you interact with them and get the most value for Mark? It's how do you interact with his health pool to really get the most value out of it and have fun with it? Yeah, and Gret Wagner. That's the other thing I want to say. I think she did. A lot of work for me. Yeah, Double I was going to say, yeah, yeah. And yeah. when you damage her, you get to draw a card. So it's just, she's she's really tasty. And the clue at range for that final section with the towers is really useful to get clues in places I don't want to go and explore and things like that. And it turned out I really needed the clues as well. So yeah, she did a lot of work. That's all I think I have to say about Mark. And is there anything else we need to say about this joint campaign? Well, um, it was it was good fun. I really enjoyed it. I, I found <laughs> playing solo quite nerve wracking to an mm, audience. Yeah. You're, you're more used to doing. Well, you've been doing this for quite a while now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. I found it quite nerve wracking. When I got into it, it was always fine, but it was just mm-hmm. like, oh, I don't put myself out there for people to judge. So yeah, I, 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 it was it was good when I got into it, but it was it was it was as I said, it was nerve wracking. I think it is a pretty challenging thing to do well. And obviously I'm a bit wary of saying that, that listeners would say, but you're thinking your feet is rubbish, Frank. But <laughs> there's three different things going on. You're trying to play Arkham. You're trying to describe playing Arkham to the listener. So paint that kind of picture. But then also I think the thing that is the most challenging is you're trying to describe as though you're kind of hovering above the game, the best lines of play and take all of the things that we don't really say out loud and verbalize them. Because often when I'm playing with other people, I can see that I've got two or three things I can do with my hand, but I'm not necessarily saying, hey guys, my hand includes the following cards. Do you think I should do A, B, and C? Sometimes I'll mention card names, but I try not to in the spirit of the game. And, you know, that's how I enjoy playing. So that means I don't necessarily... And when I play by myself, I don't speak, shockingly. (laughs) So... I'm not used to putting that out there. I think it is challenging to really get that out and say, right, at this point in the game, ignoring the fact that I'm playing, there are three different things I can focus on. I could move left, I could move right, or I could draw cards. Which is the right way to play and how do I weigh this up? If you're busy with the first two things, with narrating the game and just playing correctly, that's the thing that falls by the wayside. That's the thing I think I enjoyed most about listening to you, Peter, is hearing those moments when you're like, here I think are the, the possible lines and these this is the one I'm going for and why. Yeah, I, th- I mean, that sums it up quite well for me. And like, it was a bit of a double-edged sword because I'm explaining so much 
as I'm playing, it helps me see those lines of play. But also sometimes mm-hmm. it's it's harder to focus on the details. I think everyone has spotted that I, there was quite a few things I missed on mm. every scenario. So the trapezohedron was an extra level of like complication. And because I'm there like trying to trying to narrate everything I'm doing, mm. <laughs> it's 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 difficult to track. Yeah. So it's, it, I, I was missing the kind of things I wouldn't normally miss when I was playing. And also I'm not as used to playing solo, so often someone mm-hmm. else will be picking that stuff up for me as well when I'm playing. Exactly. And you're you're also taking a break from your own head to watch someone else play in moments. It's kind of, there's no escape when it's solo, particularly when the microphone's on. There's That's a, right, yeah, you've got to fill Dead that. air that you yeah. need to fill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that, that's, that zooming in and out is, is one of the things that, can can cause me to like forget actions or do things i'm talking big picture and then i forget that i'm like halfway through a turn and i've got one or two actions left i'm sure that's what what means i i take an extra action occasionally or miss an action yeah i i I couldn't agree more and those big turns are the just where you've you know you've had to advance the agenda or the act and it's so hard to remember or you've done some kind of big play or explain something after your either after your first or your second action. And then you're like, well, how much have I got left? (laughs) Yeah, what have I done this time? Thank you to listeners who are understanding of that. Of course, we try and catch errors and edit them out, but we also want it to be real as well, you know, so sometimes mistakes happen and that's okay. I realise as well, the other thing we can ask now is, what should you or I do next for Think On Your Feet? We're at that great point where we can ask patrons to vote on what happens next. We've got a few different choices Return to Carcosa hasn't been played on the podcast. Return to the Forgotten Age hasn't been played. And Innsmouth hasn't been played. So, yeah, lots of options. Got a lot of investigators to get through as well. Yeah. So, so yeah. I guess we'll talk about that off air, what we want to do next and, yeah, what the plan is. Well, the, the, the obvious question is going to be, do we, do we want to do something else two-player? Mm. I think that this, this worked largely because we were both doing solo games still. Yeah. Yeah, my worry if we're doing something two-player is that it's very hard to really have that same level of communication with the listener. Yeah, that would be my gut feel. But it's maybe something we can have an experiment with. Um, yeah, something like a standalone the, might be might be a good way of doing that. The challenge of that as well is, like I mentioned, about how much of our hands we reveal because the listener can't see us. So you know, part of what I enjoy about playing with another person is that thing of can you help me with this test yeah i think i can help you can you give me an icon yeah i can give you an icon but you don't you don't say yeah i've got this you know 45 automatic in my hand it has an agility icon i can commit it to you normally you don't anyway i don't know how do you feel about the table talk that table talk rule uh to be honest we we, when i play with my friends we we don't follow it mega strictly Mm. Usually, on the, it's on the level of what I, I, I'm sure we talked about this before. It'd be on the level of like, oh, I can help you with that kind of thing. Yeah. Or I, I don't think you need any more icons because I think I can help you, or or, or things like yeah. that. I have a way to get some clues. I can probably get all the clues of this location. That kind of chat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're the same. We're the same. There has been situations where we've needed to really tightly plan a turn where we end up going into more detail about what, what everyone's got mm-hmm. if we're in a real sticky situation. And I think actually that when we've played on occasion, we've done that. Uh, yeah. I know when we've, we've had a few turns in our, in our team curse decks. Yeah. Where we've yeah. really, really got into the planning what the optimal way out of a scenario is. 
they demand interaction between each other as well, don't they? They so, do. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I'm exactly the same as you. I don't, I'm not like there's a hard and fast, you have to have done one or the other. What I often find as well is if I've been about to commit a card to someone and they say, actually, I don't need it, it then becomes common knowledge around the table that I have that card. Yeah. And then I don't mind if people, so like, for instance, I'm playing Stellar in a campaign. If you're about to commit no, neither rain nor snow to someone, once they know you have it in hand, it's worth trying to find the test that neither rain nor snow is particularly worth committing to. Either it's because it's a must-pass test and you're going to give them a plus three, or it's a test like, oh, if we fail that test, you know, even like failing a false lead and dropping all of your clues, it's like, oh, if you can save it for false lead, that would be really useful because, you know, we don't really don't want to drop clues. Yeah. And I don't mind that. I think that's fine. Like once once I've nearly committed it, I don't mind that people then know about it. But yeah, recording two-player would add some challenges in terms of how we share what's in our hands and i think i think you maybe hit the nail on the head with saying how do you involve the listener if it's more me talking to you and you talking to me rather than the two of us talking to a listener cool well shall we wrap this up yeah yeah i think so i don't think we've got anything else we'd love to hear from you the listener thank you so much i hope you've enjoyed our dream eaters playthrough on think on your feet we are at drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com drawn to the flame on facebook twitter designed by humans and patreon come say hello on any of those of course peter how can people get in touch with you i am united everywhere that's u-n-i-t-l-e-d i'm on steam and twitch and uh, discord and i'm on instagram as d.unitled so yeah say hello how about you frank i'm fb on twitter that's e-p-h underscore b-e-e and then I'm around the place as Zooey Glass and Zozo and FEB and various, various things. Um, so yeah, come and say hello as well. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. Marcus Gwillem closed the door of the little room and, without warning, attacked me from behind. He overpowered me, tied me hand and foot. It was needless to gag me. As you know, the laboratory is absolutely soundproof. I felt like I needed to be gagged then. I only just didn't burst out laughing. Why is, it, why is attacked me from behind so funny? <laughs> without warning, attacked me from behind as well. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, I'm going to attack you from behind. Bob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You hear that? Attack incoming. <laughs> attack incoming. I eyed him in silence for a moment, wondering what could possibly affect the man so strongly. I knew Otter Conspiracy as a man of steady nerves and iron will. To find him so visibly upset was, in itself, unusual. I passed cigars, and he selected one automatically. He selected one automatically. <laughs> oh, God. As opposed to carefully, I suppose. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just a weird use of that word. Okay.